Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jake Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. We're going to tackle the NFL again today. We're going to talk about uh, key injuries that matter coming out of uh, week one. Do some stock up, stock down. And then we'll talk about offensive rookie of the year, uh, which I think has one price that is is uh, is very wrong. So we'll jump into that at the end. But let's start off with uh, some of the injury news, the Seahawks. Uh, who were probably the biggest disaster of Sunday. Uh, Charles Cross left the game with a toe injury. Uh, Abraham Lucas uh, also left the game with a knee injury, did not return. Tyler Lockett was evaluated for concussion and did not return uh, as a result of that, as a result of getting blown out at home by 17 points against the Rams. Uh, the Seahawks, who I think were two-and-a-half-point dogs at one point to the Lions, are now six-point dogs in Detroit. Total is 49. Uh, what do you make of the Seahawks, Drew, who are now in a division with a minus 600 favorite? Who isn't them? Yeah, you, you're telling on yourself that uh, you didn't stay up and watch Sunday Night Football and see the Giants or uh, or watch the Bears tape yet because the Bears also <laughs> in the doghouse after week sure. one. But uh, yeah. no, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of you're downgrading a team because of some specific issues that are not just opponent related, but are you know, like fundamental problems with the way they've rostered this team. The Seahawks are at the top of my list of downgrades. And the points you're making about the offensive line injuries um, are massive because the way that this offensive line was rostered was strong young tackles that could take a step forward in here too and really questionable question marks and, and or inexperience and or maybe not good talented players on the interior of the offensive line and so the tackles were really going to have to do their job well and then you're going to have to kind of hope that your young guys inside come come you know get better quickly um help but help them out with some you know some running back run blocking and stuff like that um why this is especially impactful is geno smith struggles mightily when he is facing interior pressure his go-to move is pressure is coming uh rather than roll out rather than try to extend plays rather than try to use his legs uh he throws a ball that's uncatchable to the sidelines um and i thought that in large part you know was was responsible for seattle kind of unraveling on um uh you know in the game against the rams in the second half when they were in comeback mode um as you look at this particular matchup do the lions have interior defensive linemen that could make the same sort of impact as aaron donald no they do not 
They have Aaron, yeah, Adrian, you know, they have uh, Hutchinson, who uh, by all accounts is progressing well, one of the better pass rushers as we got to the end of the season last year, uh, and showed some pop in Week One opener against the Chiefs. Um, he could be the difference maker in this game, um, but I think realistically, as you look at this offense, you count the injuries now that uh, are impacting the offensive line, and you look at how this might be kind of now bottom five unit uh, with a, a quarterback who doesn't play well under pressure. And I think this is a pretty clear you have to pass on the Seahawks at this point. Um, Seahawks also had virtually no hope of getting home in the pass rush against Matthew Stafford. They gave him all the time in the world to operate in that pocket uh, and pick them apart with his uh, you know, team of up-and-coming wide receivers. Well, this was going to be tough for them to get pressure anyway because Detroit's offensive line is amazing. Uh, and now you combine that with the fact that uh, you know that that you know you're going to be giving them extra time, and uh, and they have a strong, strong skill position group in that uh, Detroit locker room, um, and this could get out of hand pretty quickly. So uh, I want to try to make a case for an over here because I think Seattle could do a little bit more if Cross is in particular is is go, is a good to go. Um, but uh, Cross and Lucas were were really meaningful players, and them out of the game now. Um, I think uh, has the Seahawks basically dead to rights for the time being. Yes, I uh, would agree. And I think the main point that you made was about the Seahawks, just the total inability to have a pass rush. They didn't really have one last year either, but to not be able to get any pressure on Stafford uh, with that offensive line is a massive red flag. And now going up against Detroit, uh, who have a stellar offensive line, Detroit's team total is 27 and a half, which is pretty high. But at the same time, like, <laughs> they scored 45 against Seattle last year. And uh, I think the Lions are even better now. So it's kind of hard to see how uh, how the Lions don't get to uh, to 28 uh, off extended rest going up against the Seahawks team, which looks like, uh, looks like just a disaster, frankly. Uh, I think we knew that the bottom... Could fall out for Geno Smith coming off of last year, particularly after basically after week five. He just wasn't very good. Uh, he was fine, but he wasn't the guy that he was in the first five weeks of the season. The turnover-worthy plays really crept back in. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, not a, not a good start is, for the Seahawks. Is it too late to go and retroactively take away Geno Smith's Comeback Player of the Year award? Because I, I already have uh, I've gotten word that we can take away Brian Dable's Coach of the Year award. I got a few texts about that. Uh, how did the Niners look week one? How did the Giants look week one? Uh, I don't know. I think it, honestly, it was last night uh, we're recording Monday. I think the Sunday night game. I think it only strengthened Dable's coach of the year case. To be honest, last year when you see what he's working with. But uh, yeah, anyway, good to uh, good to bring that up again, Drew. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Baltimore. Also, Baltimore, I don't know what's wrong with this team. It's just every single year they're afflicted by injuries. J.K. Dobbins is done for the season with a torn Achilles. Tyler Linderbaum has a left ankle. Ronnie Stanley has got a knee. Marcus Williams seems like he tore his pec. Uh, Marlon Humphrey's out at the moment. Looks like he might be okay to go. Uh, And as a result, the line has crept up, uh, where now the Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites home to Baltimore in an early must-win game for Cincinnati. The total is 46-and-a-half. I think, look, all these injuries are bad and they're all important players. Um, but to me, maybe the biggest concern about Baltimore was Lamar Jackson was terrible against Houston. Uh, and it was a game that was set up for him to do whatever he wanted against a Texans defense that is definitely not elite. And look, it's week one. 
new offense under Todd Munkin, uh, banged up, people coming in and out. You know, he's playing with these new receivers in Flowers and Odell Beckham and Mark Andrews isn't there. So, look, certainly not the line through Lamar Jackson, but that was a concern. And when you add that to, you know, all these injuries, I think the Ravens, right? I mean, the Ravens might be the third best team in that division right now. Certainly the market thinks the Bengals are better on neutral. I think the Browns might be... Deshaun looked pretty bad, but that defense looked fierce. So I don't know. That AFC North is just completely wide open, except probably for our Steelers. But uh, what do you make of the Ravens? <laughs> Two days ago, this was the best division in sports. And now I completely agree with your sentiment. These are all huge question marks, all these teams. And the injuries to the Ravens are massive. And you know what's funny, Che? If you go back in time to, um, what was it, right around the Super Bowl, I feel like. Uh, maybe just after they <clears throat> had all 1300 players in the NFL participate in that survey where they conducted uh, and then and then released the player team report cards. Um, and what was funny is one of the categories was strength coaches. And, well, you know, you look at the time and basically every team in the league was some variation between a plus and a minus, except for the Ravens, which got an F minus. In strength coaches, I don't know what it is about the players, but they feel like there's something that they are not, not doing correctly to get these guys, you know, bodies ready for the, uh, you know, the brutal campaign that is an NFL regular season. And so the fact that we're already here after week one is just massive amount of confirmation bias that they have not fixed whatever the problems are with how they get these guys right and get them ready. And so, you know, the, the, the litany of injuries is is concerning and these are impactful guys like Linderbaum mattered uh if he's out for and I'm I'm, I'm hearing he's not expected to go this week against Cincinnati um that's a problem because their backup center is completely untested and he doesn't have any chemistry with uh Lamar Jackson in terms of getting the snap off right and if you didn't already know Lamar Jackson likes playing from the shotgun uh which you know so you know snapping the ball you know and getting that fluidity is going to matter a bit I think this basically makes for a really easy opportunity to either go against the Ravens although you're not getting a great price uh, or to shoot for their team total under on the basis of just the offensive line, not being able to uh, prevent pressure here. Um, the Dobbins injury, similarly, it doesn't move the needle for me, you know, in a big way, they have enough redundancy there. And, you know, his, his specific skill set, while good was not game breaking. Um, Marcus Williams, I think matters a ton. Uh, you're now looking like you have sort of a cluster injury going on in the secondary. And you know what team I would not want to see on my schedule. If I had a secondary cluster injury, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals. So this is not to say that all of a sudden the Bengals are going to be some awesome fluid machine offensively. Um, but they set up pretty clearly as the backup candidates uh, in a big way here. Um, um, and, you know, Mike McDonald did some nice things with his scheme against the uh, Bengals last year and really kind of turned around what was a pretty lopsided head-to-head uh, -head, uh, in the Joe Burrow era. Um, but with the weapons that he's got going here, it's basically Roquan Smith and, you know, a, no a number of guys who are battling here. Uh, I don't know how they create pressure. They're going to be okay against the run, but uh, I could see the uh, Bengals getting right in the passing game pretty clearly. Yeah, and looking at the AFC North odds at the moment, I think, I mean, it's very clustered. Basically, there's nothing between Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, Pittsburgh, plus 750, uh, which is depressing. But uh, I think if I had to pick <laughs> one team of that cluster, I think I would still take Cincinnati just because Burrow and no preseason. Like, they were just, yeah. they're almost so bad that you feel better about them because it was such an outlier uh, against Cleveland. So, I think the Bengals ultimately will be fine. Certainly, the market okay. early in the week, but uh, I Jay, think... you, you know, you just convinced me. Yeah, uh, three and a half isn't an all universe price. I'm splitting my stick. Half of it on <laughs> on uh, half of it on three and a half. Half of it on Bengals to win the win the uh, AFC North. That's what we do. Yep.
Okay, I like it. Yep, I think the Bengals will win that division. Plus 200 uh, is the price for the North. Uh, a team that's not going to win that division, almost certainly uh, the Houston Texans, who don't really have an offensive line at the moment. Jalen Petrie, I always mess up that name. He suffered a bruised lung and had to go to local hospital. Hassan Ridgeway left the game with a calf injury and not returned. They're still one-and-a-half-point favorites home to Indianapolis. The total is a lowly 40. Uh I think the bigger problem, honestly, is that CJ Stroud looked terrible against Baltimore. He's playing hero ball, throwing it up into triple coverage. Just didn't look right in a way that uh, I actually thought Anthony Richardson did look right. Anthony Richardson looked like an NFL quarterback, which is a little bit of a problem when the whole book on Richardson was supposed to be that he was unproven and that you know, Stroud and Young were supposed to be more pro-ready. Uh, I think it's a, might be an Ohio State thing where it's just so easy for those guys who saw how accurate Justin Fields was in college. Then he gets to the pros, not quite as easy anymore. CJ Stroud as well. He looked completely lost. And look, it's one week. Not going to write the book on CJ Stroud, but mm -hmm. uh, not great for the Texans. Uh, and I kind of might lean Colts at the current price. But I mean, what do you think? Yeah, we agree. Um, Colts are pass. And uh, I think we put the Colts right now on a clear tier two in the AFC South. Yep. Uh, Jags are tier one. Uh, and they and by the way, Jags now have a win against their most difficult opponent on the road in division. Uh, so that's consequential. Uh, and I think uh, the Colts can get this win. I think minus yeah, the 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 getting confirmation about Anthony Richardson health health matters. Uh, Texans offensive line is a huge huge issue. Um, the Ravens don't really have a pass rush, much of a pass rush to really write home about. It's a bunch of guys who are good, not great. Um, DeForest Buckner is great. Uh, and he was a disruptor against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he will be even more of a factor in this game against the Texans. Um, not exactly sure what kind of home field advantage Texas could muster in this one. So um, Colts look like a, a pretty fun play. And I was going to pass on Colts games this year, man, but uh, there's not a lot I love in week two. I think Colts should be closer to two and a half, though. Yeah, uh, Shane Steichen uh, might be the real deal. Uh, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, who did not look like the real deal uh, in getting stomped by San Francisco. Cam Hayward, he left the game with a groin injury. Looks like he's going to be out about a month. Uh, Deontay Johnson also dealing with a hamstring. Just a, a zero out of 10 day for Pittsburgh. There's basically nothing to take out of that outside of TJ Watt. Looking really good, and they are now uh, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home to Cleveland. So I guess coming out of the Cleveland game in particular, like how do you treat them? How do you treat this matchup now, given that both teams wildly were kind of wild outliers in different directions in week one? Well, from an injury tracking standpoint, it's important to note that uh, Brown's starting tackle, Jack Conklin, will be out. He's uh, ACL, MCL confirmed. Um, and <clears throat> one of the problems with Deshaun Watson and one of the reasons that you're like, this guy still isn't learning, is he was holding onto the ball for an obscenely long time. And if you now take away an important key tackle up against a pass rush that has TJ Watt, then he's going to be under duress a lot in this game. And I think um, the market reaction to the news about, uh, you know, the Steelers in general, their offense being a downgrade based on what we saw against the Niners, their matchup against the Browns, who Browns defense, you have to upgrade, I think, a little bit. And a lot of people already have. A lot of people went into that game thinking this Browns defense is absolutely a top 10 unit, no doubt about it. They are all confirming those priors. That unit is getting upgraded now broadly. Um, you know, I think it sets up for what we've seen, which is this has been one-way action to the under. Um, this could be an ugly game. 
if Kenny Pickett finds a way to get a win, then that helps our Bengals AFC North future, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think realistically this is you go into this game trying to get Kenny Pickett to play a very safe mistake-free type of football you try to get his ball out of his hands more quickly uh you mentioned Deontay Johnson is an injury that absolutely has to be tracked um he could make a difference in this game if he's healthy uh Pat Farmuth also got bang, banged up and he's been a pretty important safety blanket for uh Kenny Pickett so um both offenses I think you have to downgrade somewhat and then Cam Hayward matters, so he's got to be a downgrade for the defense for the Steelers. So I understand why the line is where it is. It makes sense to me, and I think this total probably closes in the 38 range. Yeah. On the Cleveland defense quickly, uh, it it baffles me sometimes how it just seems like certain NFL coaches in certain situations just make just objectively the wrong decision uh, and just don't pick up the low-hanging fruit and there's so much money obviously in the sport that you think like stuff like when Micah Parsons wasn't being used as an edge rusher just made no Mm -hmm. sense whatsoever Miles Garrett just lining up the same spot every single time even if he was going up against an elite tackle why don't you just move him over the guard uh, as Schwartz on the weekend and he was completely dominant like when 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 did this happen last year um completely baffling but yeah so glad you brought that point up man the entire framework of football is getting the ball out of your hand quicker if you're the quarterback. That de-emphasizes being able to come off of the uh, the edge uh, and really make as much of a difference. He was underutilized there, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a noteworthy uh, and important adjustment on behalf of Schwartz. So, hat tip to him. Yep, indeed. Okay, before we get to some stock up, stock down this Sunday night, AFC East rivals do battle in South Beach. And Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots face two attack by lower. And the Dolphins coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. See if Tyreek Hill can go for another 200 yards. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take off, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history and the hope of continuing a dynasty unstoppable week after week this is the premier league on nbc usa and peacock dear listener please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by fandango breathe in smell the fresh popcorn now exhale Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Uh, stock up, stock down. Cowboys, Giants. Uh, obviously, that was a pretty uh, big takeaway from week one that the Cowboys look like an absolute force. The Giants look like a complete 
debacle, uh, Daniel Jones, who reports out of camp weren't great about Jones and his preseason, and then he was diabolical against the Cowboys. Uh, so, look, I don't, no one really thought that the Giants were going to be a Super Bowl contender. Maybe they could be a fringe playoff team again. But I think the Cowboys are the more interesting side of this where, you know, I think there is a thought that they could just be the best team in the NFC. Uh, and it's never really made sense to me why they were plus 195 to win the NFC East and the Eagles were red odds. That has come together a little bit. Uh, don't want to overreact to one week, but uh, what do you make of the Cowboys now? I can't believe we can still get plus money on this, guys. Uh, I didn't think it was going to flip to Cowboys favorite, but I did think that this was going to narrow more. And I guess uh, if if um, Keyshawn Butte, if he gets his second foot down yeah. and then the Patriots score a touchdown and win that game instead of uh, losing by five, then... Uh, that would have seen a more a more violent reaction in this market, um, but the Cowboys absolutely deserve stock up in a lot of ways. Um, they showed you that they are not just one of the more complete teams in terms of roster build, but they actually have some pretty nice redundancy uh, as they went into that game with the number of their players in the offensive line not a hundred percent. Um, and yet they still were able to absolutely stack up and, and manhandle. In fact, uh, you know, a defensive line that has some absolute blue chip players on it um now were the conditions a factor maybe were they beneficiaries of game state yes uh did they have you know if they don't get a special teams touchdown early there and you know the giants get on the board you know with the with the clean field goal instead of uh spotting the cowboys you know six points maybe it's a different type of game um but i think realistically the cowboys uh, have shown you that they need to be in your top three in terms of power ranking and i think currently at least have to be ahead of the eagles now the eagles have uh they are paying a little bit of a price of facing a very very good defense right some of the some of the kind of at least what the market is uh telling you about the way they're um expecting them to perform against a weak defense in Minnesota, maybe there's a little bit of a buy low opportunity on this Eagles team to score into the thirties for the next handful of weeks. Cause they're still very, very good. Um, but I think the Eagles defense showed you that they are vulnerable over the middle of the field, a concept that a lot of people talked about in the preseason, what's going on. You know, what are you going to do at off ball linebacker? What are you going to do at safety? Well, the Patriots showed you that if you have, you know, and you know, they, they have some slow, uh, and uh, kind of n- not game breakers in their uh, skill position group. And they were able to make some hay against the interior of that uh, Eagles defense. I think uh, that sets them up pretty well for if you can take the defensive line out of the equation when you face this Eagles team, you're going to be able to score on them, and it could be pretty serious. So for that reason and that reason alone, I think you have to think that the Cowboys are going to get the better of them potentially in Week 9 if they're both at current health and strength. Um, and uh, I do see a lot of I, I see ceiling and even more upside than the Cowboys, even than what we saw in a forty to nothing win. Like there were times in that game where I was like, oh, you know, they could have could have done that a little bit better, right? Like I, I don't think this is that's the best we'll see of the Cowboys all season. No, and Dak missed Sadie Lamb wide open yeah. uh, in the end zone. That was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Fine. Again, Dak kind of, he always leaves you a little bit cold. He's very, very good, but there's always like a little bit of a gnawing feeling that Dak maybe just isn't quite the guy, but uh, I think he's certainly, he's good enough for this team to win the Super Bowl. And yeah, I mean, the Eagles, we'll see. We'll see what they look like against Minnesota. Uh, They'd want to put up 30 in that game uh, to get back on track because they did not look good at all against the Patriots. And it's funny, we're talking on 
fantasy football happy hour today about how almost more concerned about the Eagles offense than the Bengals offense, just because like, there's just no way that Burrow chase Higgins. There's no way that team can fail. Like Joe Burrow is not going to fail with so long as he's healthy with Hertz. It's a bit, Hertz has only been really good for one year and he's in a unique offense. And I think there's a lot more chance that Jalen Hurts could be solved at least to some degree than you can solve for Joe Burrow. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think the Eagles will be fine. I think the Cowboys uh, are very, very good. And I would slightly lean Cowboys there. I think that is the best defense uh, in the NFL right now. Uh, Bengals, we largely touched upon. I mean, I think they have to be somewhat stocked down. But uh, at the same time, weird conditions. I think a really uh, unique game plan as well from Schwartz and the Browns defense. Bill Barnwell wrote uh, really well on this in article on ESPN about how they kind of forced Burrow into uh, basically like low percentage but uh, high uh, reward throws for the Bengals offense and he just, just didn't connect uh, and in the conditions certainly helped that uh, and then they were able to get pressure with Garrett kind of wrecking the game a little bit so I'm not too concerned about the Bengals certainly the market thinks that they'll be fine uh, having them as three and a half point favorites over the Ravens and uh, and yeah we like them to win the AFC North. Uh, <laughs> let's close out quickly on the Rams. So the Niners, I think the Niners opened seven point favorites over the Rams. That's up to eight and a half already. I think the thing here is that Stafford is better than Goff, but Stafford, like Goff, uh, who were traded for each other, if you keep Matthew Stafford clean, like, like most quarterbacks, then he becomes a monster. Uh, and if you put him under duress, he's not nearly as good. And he was kept completely clean against Seattle. And that Seattle defense was a complete mess. And so I think that the Rams offense looked a lot better than it will going up against uh, Nick Bosa and co. So look, I'm not buying the Rams as, you know, a potential feel good eight and nine type of team. I don't think there's the talent there still. Not much has changed for me. I think it's more reflection on how bad Seattle were. But mm -hmm. uh, what do you make of the Rams now? Yeah, I think you have to upgrade their offense to at least league average, if not better than an average. Uh, and I think they're matchup dependent, whether you bet on or against this team now, because I still think the defense has the potential to get exposed. Um, if you can put two hats on Aaron Donald, if you can keep, if your quarterback can keep his cool as Aaron Donald is coming up the middle at 100 miles an hour, then uh, you know you still can find a lot of places to attack the secondary. Um, but the offense is the key, and I think you nailed it. If you are getting pressure on Stafford uh, that is without blitzing, that's huge, huge key. Then you can make this you can make this offense look bad. You can force him into bad decisions. You can create turnovers, uh, and he seems to be a guy that play when things are going great. He is just firing with absolute confidence, and when things start to go poorly, he kind of compounds bad decisions with more bad decisions. So I think uh, against a team like the Niners, where they can generate pressure without uh, blitzing, uh, Burrow, excuse me, Stafford, excuse me, Stafford, and the Rams are drawing dead to a degree. Um, but uh, when they go up against teams where they're only getting pressure by blitzing, so I'm looking at like the Vikings or the Bucks, or you know, there's just the teams with a, a relatively high blitz rate. Um, Rams can control the game state. Rams can play from ahead potentially, and Rams can win, win, win those games. So as long as Stafford is healthy, I think that's the rubric by which you approach their uh, handicap. Yep, Rams have got so San Francisco. And then at Cincy, at Indy, home Philly, home Arizona. So some chance they could be three and three uh, after six weeks. But uh, yeah, I'm not buying into this team as a, 
as a playoff contender uh, or anything like that. All right, before we get to Offensive Rookie of the Year, a reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every weekday during the NFL season. You can also check out Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It airs live on Peacock at noon, re-airs at 4 p.m. Eastern, and is available on our NFL on NBC Sports YouTube channel as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! me. And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, Offensive Rookie of the Year. We'll talk about all these awards markets uh, as we go, but I think the best bet uh, in any awards market today after the first kind of reprice after uh, sustained game action is, uh, is Zay Flowers, who is plus 1,200. I think if you shop around as well, you can find some 14 to 1, some 15 to 1. So Zay Flowers had 48% target share uh, against the Texans. So he had 10 targets in a game that they won 25 to 9 and didn't really need to throw in the second half. I think he is looks like he's going to be wide receiver one in Baltimore, a team that is going to throw more under Todd Munkin. Only two designed runs for Lamar Jackson yesterday, which is telling. Now, there wasn't any Mark Andrews. There also wasn't really any incentive to throw. So I think that kind of cancels out. And I think that, you know, we didn't really know who out of this wide receiver class was going to emerge as the guy. Well, Quentin Johnston, not good. Jordan Addison scored a touchdown. He will be in the mix somewhat, but that team had a really bad loss. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, that team was a disaster. Uh, So, look, can't be putting lines through anyone or declaring anyone after one game, but I think Zay Flowers should probably be third favorite in this market behind Bijan and Anthony Richardson. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I think there's a tier one of candidates and it's, in my opinion, Richardson probably needs to be higher than Robinson just because of the potential volume disparity. Robinson is not going to get maybe what the uh, the high upside people thought this year. Uh, meanwhile, Richardson has pop um, and, you know, is further ahead than any of us really, I think, uh, were willing to kind of conceive. Uh, Zay Flowers belongs in that tier for all the reasons you said. He's very good on top of being wide receiver one for yep. an offense that uh, – uh, is going to pass more this season. You know it. Um, and 
you know, if you've already heard what we said about the Ravens, we don't think that they're necessarily going to run away with this division. They're not going to run away with many games. There's going to be a lot more games in their schedule where they're at a negative game state and they're going to be passing more aggressively. So even when Andrews comes back into the fold, I don't think that takes a ton away from Flowers in terms of uh, target potential. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if he is the, uh, you know, if he can continue to, um, to make some of the kind of standout pop plays in the passing game for a good offense, then um, he would be a guy that is going to get some serious attention. So that those are my three candidates are right now. Uh, and I think everybody is on a second tier that needs a little bit, needs a little bit of luck, needs a little bit of help and, or, uh, you know, could emerge if there's an injury. Yep. So right now, Bijan's plus 225, Richardson's plus 500, Jimmy Gibbs plus 800, Bryce Young plus 900, CJ Stroud's plus 1400. I know we look terrible. That's pretty big. His price has basically doubled after one bad game. Not really interested, but still, that's just one to keep an eye on as a quarterback who has the role entrenched. Uh, Bryce Young just has no weapons, uh, and I'm not really sure how he's going to put up volume stats or win a lot of games with that team. Bijan's a weird one. I still think he should be favorite. Anthony Richardson, who kind of he looked the part uh, against the Jags, but he had a 49 PFF grade, uh, mm. which is a little concerning. I would have thought, just eyeballing, I would have thought, I don't know, 60 or whatever, but he didn't grade out well there. Uh, and his stat line was okay, not great. But certainly, he looked the best of the three quarterbacks, uh, and we'll see. I mean, he might get Jonathan Taylor back uh, in week five, which I think would help him. Uh, and he does have Michael Pittman. But, yeah, I think Bijan, the problem is Tyler Algier is really good uh, and was really good last yeah. year and has picked right up. And so it's not a situation where, you know, you have – the clear, better running back who needs to supplant the, the vet who's bad. Like, LG is good, and he needs to get run, and Bijan's going to be used a lot more as a pass catcher. So I still think he's going to get enough volume just because Desmond Ritter is terrible, uh, it seems mm-hmm. like. And so they're going to be running the ball and dumping off to Bijan a ton. Uh, so I still feel the best about Bijan, but Richardson would be next for me, and then and then Zay Flowers third. We'll see with Jameer Gibbs. I think... I am more worried about David Montgomery blocking off Jameer Gibbs yep. than I am Tyler Algier blocking off Bijan Robinson. Uh, I think Bijan, Tyler Algier might be 50-50 split of carries and then Bijan will get a lot more receiving work. I think Montgomery is going to get more carries than Gibbs uh, and that's a problem for Jameer yep. Gibbs and his O'Roy campaign. Uh, anyone else who's interesting to you? No, I think I'll just push back a little bit on your Richardson commentary. Uh, they got an easy schedule. They finish with a bunch of te- games he can win, which I think is a huge factor. We've talked about this a bunch in the preseason, but the Colts' final frame is winnable games. So he could get to six wins, seven wins, uh, and uh, at that point, uh, he needs a stat line that looks like Cam Newton's rookie of the year campaign. Uh, Cam Newton, if you don't remember, scored 14 touchdowns on the ground for that Panthers team. Uh, his Passing statistics, his passing grades were pedestrian that year. He, he needed a lot of growth as a passer, but he was so dynamic in terms of just scoring points on the ground that uh, you know he was the easy choice. And I think the way Richardson is built, he could threaten and or uh, surpass that 14-touchdown rookie you know, rushing touchdown mark that uh, Cam Newton set. 
Yep. No, certainly. He's he's right there. I do worry a little bit about him staying healthy for a full sure. season as well. He's already banged sure. up. In, Young guy. Uh, yeah. So that that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, I would, I mean, look, Bijan Robinson plays running back, which is the position with the most attrition. Um, so that's half the award. I mean, Brees Hall would have run, would have won going away last year had he stayed healthy. So there's a huge luck element to that. But uh, mm-hmm. I agree. I think we're in agreement that the top three, Bijan, Richardson, uh, and Zay Flowers. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Uh, if you're listening to us in podcast form, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you tomorrow.